Welcome back to the Away Days podcast. Joining me as always, Mr. Laith Land and Mr. Jacob Ferguson. Guys, we spent a lot of time uh, with each other over the holiday break. We did not record. We missed a perfect opportunity to do an in-person podcast rather than over over the uh, FaceTime like we've been doing. But um, I was going to start this thing by asking how your guys' holiday was, but but I know because we were we were there. so. Um, but yeah, well, glad to have you guys back after the long break. Oh yeah, good, good to be back. It's funny that the the laptop problems last time were actually not caused by me for why we recorded or why we didn't get to record. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I had all the intentions of uh, recording, but for some reason the screen on my like just the screen on my Mac book has stopped working. So I'm sitting in front of my like TV in my room plugged into my laptop. Um, kind of weird reading like a Google Doc on a screen that big. But anyway. Uh, a lot going on. We we really kind of regret that we weren't able to get a pod last week to preview the college football playoff and a lot of the New Year's Six Bowls. But don't worry, I'm going to get my Georgia fix in here after the fact, and we'll turn things toward um, the national championship. But I want to start um, with, I guess, I guess, what's the best place to start here? Probably the Bama Cincinnati um, playoff, just because yeah. I think that one bent, went about how we all expected. Although, you know. Bama ended up covering, but I think it was closer for much of the game than a lot of people think. I don't know. I don't know what what your guys' take was on that. Yeah, Bama scored ten points in the fourth quarter to get the cover, but it was a little closer than we thought. I think really Bama was just kind of on cruise control, just running the ball. Bryce Young didn't have to do too much. Brian Robinson with two hundred yards on the ground. They were just pounding the ball, and Cincinnati just couldn't stop them, and they couldn't score either. So pretty easy win for Bama. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think. You know, we kind of talked about this a while back. Um, this is one of those games where you never felt like Bama wasn't in control of the game. You know, it wasn't the typical Bama blowout, but it was also a better team than they've been playing. But you never really felt like it was one that they were gonna that they were gonna give up on, and they still dominated the entire way through, at least in my opinion. Yeah, it was pretty similar to that Washington game a couple of years ago when they played in the playoff. Just not a big blowout win, but they were controlled the whole time. Yeah, that was my thoughts exactly. Really reminiscent of uh, of that game, um, which did Bama go on to win that national championship that year, or was that a Clemson? That loss was the year? year they lost to Clemson and Deshaun Watson, twenty sixteen. Mm. Gotcha, gotcha. So, yeah, no, no big surprise from Bama. Although, you know, there's a few guys that I that I'm aware of on Twitter anyway. I wouldn't necessarily call friends with because I don't actually know them. But when you when you work in sports media like I do, you kind of just pick up random Twitter followers along the way. But this guy, a lot of guys that I kept up with that are from the Cincinnati area or live there, cover teams up there, that all season felt like super disrespected, even though they were ranked in the top four for most of the season, um, or at least when it counted. Like most of the college football playoff rankings, you know, when they started, had them in the top four. Um, but the overwhelming response from the Cincy people I know of were like, you know what, we proved we belonged, like, you know, we we showed that that, you know that it wasn't like a mistake. Like we did the, the power the non power five proud, but you know, I still despite it being I guess a little closer than some people thought, like ultimately Cincinnati never looked like they were gonna contend in this game. Like it was relatively comfortable for Bama. Like did any of y'all at any point in that game think, okay, maybe Bama's in a little bit of trouble here? Because I did. No, no, I never thought that. And, you know, I, I wish it really – honestly, as much as I hate Bama, I kind of wish they would have blown him out a little bit more because I kind of got tired of hearing uh, the Cincinnati fans talking like that, that, oh, we're being disrespected. Like, I'm sorry, you can't 
you can't play the schedule that you do and struggle against the teams that you struggled with the entire year and then come in and say that you're disrespected despite what your record is. I don't care if you're undefeated or what. If you're going to almost lose to like teams like a UAB and then you think you're going to be disrespected coming into the title game against Bama, I, I don't know about that one. Yeah, yeah, this game, I mean, yeah, it's nice for the little guy to get in, but like this game would have been way more competitive if we got if we had gotten to see a Notre Dame or or a OK State team matching up with Bama. I, I don't think the result would have been different, but this idea that the little guy should be in the playoff, I don't I don't like it at all. I think it should be strictly power 5 and then like a Notre Dame sprinkled it in every now and then kind of deal. So, I'm glad since he got handled. Yeah. All right, so I guess that I mean that really just about wraps up all that needs to be said about the first one. But the prime time event, Ferg played a big factor in your uh, your recruiting, your commitment process that podcast listeners have been following for the past few weeks. But uh, Georgia, just want to just got to take a second and and it forced you guys to give them some credit here. I know hey, the job's not done. As Kirby after the game was refusing the Gatorade bath, I'm not here to to applaud Georgia too too much, but. From you two guys, I want to hear. I want to hear some some positive thoughts about Georgia after just ready to bury them following the SEC championship game. Lath, you may start first as the uh, the resident um, Auburn fan of the pod. Yeah, uh, just a complete and utter dominant showing by the dogs. Got to give them a hand there, and they did everything. You know exactly what you talked about a few weeks ago that they should have done against Bama. We saw the exotic blitzes coming. It wasn't just the D-line that the D-line did eat, but it wasn't just them. We saw the man coverage. We saw everything that we thought we would see um, or that we thought we would see against Bama that we didn't see. So I think, um, you know, Kirby talked about after the Bama game how it was a wake-up call for him. They really just looked locked in in this game, and it really showed in the result, in my opinion. Yeah, hats off to Georgia. They totally dominated Michigan. I, I give it to you, Nathan. I'm not going to be bitter or delusional you were so bitter and delusional <laughs> hey, and hey. not giving it to him after the game hey. though like i'll give it i'll give it to you you, you adopt this new personality when hey. the microphone turns on yeah. when you give credit to when, the, when the mic's on i'm gonna be real when i'm just shit messing around with you guys i'm gonna talk shit but yeah i mean hats <laughs> off to georgia they totally dominated michigan you know they they're a run first team and georgia's front seven absolutely dominated them held michigan the run the damn ball o-line to 88 rushing yards <laughs> and my biggest takeaway was I really liked the offensive game plan from Georgia. Um, mm. So they had quick throws from Stetson to get the ball out of his hands quick. And anytime they're running the ball, stretch plays the outside, they're running away from Hutchinson, rollouts passes away from Hutchinson. And then Michigan's defense didn't have the speed to keep up on the perimeter with Georgia's athletes. And I think the play, the offensive game plan worked to perfection for the dogs and it resulted in a 34, 11 win. Yeah, because I mean, yeah, one of the well, you go ahead, go ahead. Okay, Mike. well, uh, I know we because we talk about Georgia kind of enforcing their will running the ball, but I think Stetson didn't he end up throwing for like three hundred passing yards by the end of it too. I think this is one of the games where really I don't want to say more of it was on his shoulders, but I think it was probably one of his better played games throughout the year. Would you agree with that? Oh yeah, no, un- undoubtedly, probably the best game he's played all year. Twenty-one for thirty-one, three hundred ten yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. So. Um, and again, it, it was a it was a game where did he need to be at his best? Probably not. I mean, we rushed for almost 200 yards, um, but but Ferg, as you mentioned with the game plan, like that's been one of the bigger knocks on Kirby so far during his time 
um, in Athens is just that, like, he's a great recruiter, great developer of talent, can get a lot of good guys in the door. But, like, as far as game plans, I mean, we've seen him be outcoached by Saban a, a, a couple of times now. Um, but the game plan of going in and just basically telling Ojabo and Hutchinson, like, look, you're not even going to get a chance to rush because we're either going to run it or or the downs that you're able to try to pin your ears back, the ball's going to be out of Stetson's hand in about a second. So um, I love that play calling. Really reminded me of like NFL play calling, like the like the 49ers do. Just really, um, you see the way they spread the ball out, not necessarily vertically all the time, but just getting the ball in the hands of their best players. Like Brock Bowers got, I mean, I'd have to look in, in front of me to see how many catches he had. Um, five catches for 55 yards. You know, and so and he can be a big play guy, but that just shows like all of his targets are, were inside of ten yards, getting the ball to him. It looks like so. Um, yeah, I was I was really really impressed. And then finally, like late season, have been using James Cook in his senior year as we've been wanting, as Georgia defense have been wanting to his whole time, getting him out, you know, in space, getting the matchups with linebackers. I mean, dude had four receptions for 112 yards and a touchdown. So. Uh, that's that's an NFL offensive play calling uh, masterpiece right there in terms of using the uh, the running backs of the passing game. So thrilled with Georgia. Obviously had them plus uh, or excuse me minus six and a half. So that's always nice. Um, and yeah, now now we're natty bound. I'm actually pretty close to to set my eyes on some tickets to Indianapolis. So uh, be giving y'all might, might see if I can get some live updates from Indy as the weekend goes on. Um, and either either be ready to have the best fucking podcast of my life on Tuesday night, or y'all will have to run the show without me, probably. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, looking uh, looking forward to it. But yeah, looking at Indy, something. Okay, I want I want y'all's thoughts on this because I I can only come up with one explanation for this, and that explain and even that one doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So, before the playoff games, the cheapest like you know highest seat in the house up in the nosebleeds in indianapolis which by the way despite being an nfl stadium like it doesn't hold a ton i want to say it doesn't hold more than seventy thousand, probably um anyway worst seat in the house going for twelve hundred dollars on ticketmaster stubhub you name it and that's before fees so you're probably looking at paying closer to 1500 after that the night like Immediately after George's win, of course, I didn't check this immediately after Bama, so it could have begun changing before that. But the night of the playoff semifinals dropped down to a thousand, then to eight hundred, and then as of now, is currently the cheapest one you can get is five hundred. So, why have the ticket prices for the national championship dropped by half since the playoffs? The only thing that makes any sense to me is that I guess. Michigan fans bought a bunch and are now trying to get rid of them. But why in the hell would you buy a $1,200 national championship ticket if you're Michigan going into this game? Because I don't – okay, like, Ferg, you wanted Michigan to win so bad. I'm sure you came up with some reasons why you hoped and thought Michigan might win. But surely you would not have forked over that much money, like, committing to the Wolverines making it to the final. Uh, I guess, you know, Michigan has a very strong, passionate fan base, which is pretty rare up north. And they used to be a powerhouse. And, you know, this is the first time in a while that they really feel, felt, the fans really felt like, hey, you know, we're for real this year. And so they probably just went ahead and got eager after beating Ohio State, saying, hey, we beat Ohio State, we're going to go to the national championship this year. It's just, it's time. And they probably just got a little too excited and made some uh, unfortunate decisions with their wallets. But that's pretty probably the only reason I can think hey, of. Hey, you'd know all about that. <laughs> okay, okay. I don't know about that. Um, I think also, and this is probably not as big a part of it, 
But, like, if you just follow the college football community after these games, everybody keeps saying stuff like, oh, of course, these two teams. Nobody wants this matchup. Nobody, apart from, obviously, the Georgia-Bama fans. You know, it was the expected outcome for this entire year, really. So I think there is probably a portion of people that maybe sat back and went, "Ah, okay, whatever, this one's not going to be as big of a deal as it has been or that we hoped it could be because it wasn't the outcome that a lot of us wanted to see. We wanted to see something different. But um, and now I don't think that contributes that much to the prices dropping, but I could see maybe some people who thought about going and then seeing that this is going to be the two teams going, eh, I don't know if I'm into this as much. I mean, I definitely get some Bama fatigue and, and you know, like the, by, the, by round three of Clemson, Alabama, mm-hmm. I was pretty over yeah. that. But this is only the second time that these two have faced off in the national championship in four years, you know, and, and it, especially the storyline that Bama – beat us pretty bad a month ago and now the rematch is set like i i would think that'd be pretty compelling but of course i'm seeing it from from you know within within the game here as somebody with with close ties to the program so um the last thing i want to touch on before we move on to some of the other new new uh, new year's six bowls so what do we i guess what do we make of this this michigan team is kind of my final thing like i'm obviously going to be quick to give georgia the the lion's share of the credit that that this game was more about them, you know, sitting on that loss for a month, coming out and showing to everybody who they are when they play at their best, um, and and beating what I think is still a good Michigan team. But what, you know, to the people who are now like, okay, you know, SEC bias, maybe the whole conference doesn't deserve it, but these two these two teams like are the only actual good ones. Basically, everybody else is playing catch up. Like. How much of this result do you attribute to maybe people buying into Michigan a bit more than they should have? Oh, uh, yeah, I, I could see that. Um, I don't know. I think it kind of, again, goes back to, okay, this Michigan team beat Ohio State. Once people saw that, they thought, okay, this team may be for real. Um, but But, again, in a game against Ohio State where I pointed out, like, perfect storm for Michigan, snowy, yeah. Bad conditions, yeah. favoring a running team in the big house. Like, even as a, as a Georgia fan, as confident and as good as I think we are, I wouldn't be itching to go into that that sort of that. I mean, if you told me Georgia had to go into that exact same situation, snow, stadium, everything, I wouldn't I wouldn't be itching to do it. Oh yeah, I agree. I agree that they probably might not have won it. And I also think, I mean, we've said this before. I think Ohio State Georgia would have been a better matchup for this game. But I think when. It, just your typical fan sees that game and sees how dominant Michigan won it. I think that's probably when the excitement starts to build. That, hey, this might be a Michigan team that's for real. And just the fact that you're, I mean, you're rooting for a team that hasn't been there in a long time. You know, the story with Harbaugh, how he struggled and how they bounced back from that. So there was a lot of storylines that I think probably contributed to the hype around this team. And it obviously just didn't work out the way they thought. Yeah, I mean, I think the, we saw the result because that's just – how good Georgia is. Georgia, their defense is something that Michigan hasn't seen all year. Michigan's able to run the ball at will against pretty much all their opponents, but they haven't seen a front seven with the size and speed uh, like Georgia's defense. And yeah, like you said, late the hype after beating Ohio State, you know, having the chance to see somebody new, maybe get a chance to wear the crown this year was kind of exciting for the college football fans who aren't in the state of Alabama or Georgia. But Georgia's just Georgia and Alabama are just light years ahead of everyone else in college football right now from execution and talent on their rosters. It's just, yeah. And we'll get to have it all decided on the field on Monday. So at least this way, you know, 
people can say, oh, we're tired of Bama and Georgia. That's, it was them all year. Well, at least now it's going to be settled on the field once and for all. Like, if Bama wins again, then then Georgia didn't. I mean, then they just weren't that good. You get beat twice, then that other team was definitely better than you. And then on the other side, if Georgia can come out and get a win, I, I mean, depending on how the win, co- like, happens, I'm – I'm not saying I'm going to come out here and say definitively Georgia was that much better than Alabama, like Georgia's a much better football team. I think these are both two really good football teams, and it's just going to come down to who makes more plays um, come Monday night. But super excited for that. But let's quickly move on to the other New Year's Six Bowls. We watched basically all of these together, at least I know for a fact Lath and I did. Um, So where do we want to start? I think Rose Bowl probably the best game of the weekend. Um, Ohio State. Somehow finding a way to end their season on a higher note than Michigan, even though they lost to them and Michigan won the Big Ten title game. Um, but Rose Bowl proving to be basically, I mean, easily actually since since the playoff, the, the best non-playoff bowl. Um, when you think about this matchup and some of the ones we've seen in the past, thinking back to Sam Darnold um, against, against Penn State a few years ago. So another instant classic. Just so many points scored. As, as somebody who played defense, though, like who enjoys a bit of defensive football, like that that part was a bit hard to watch. But, you know, you can't really complain about a 60-yard touchdown then a kick return then another 40-yard touchdown. You've got two guys in in Harrison Jr. and in Jigbo in Ohio State who both could have ended up with six touchdowns if they if they could just make the game longer. So, uh, but, yeah, ultimately, though, do we think – how do we feel about that result? Ohio State the better team, or did, did – I feel like the athletes just kind of outlasted them. Like, if, if Utah – of course, you, you, it hurts to lose your quarterback the way they did. But I'll, I'll ask it to you that way, Ferg. If Utah's quarterback stays healthy, is, is this a different result? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I think at the end of the day, Ohio State's offense would have been too much. Because, I mean, look, Ohio State – just similar to a place like Alabama and Georgia, like they'll just reload. They got guys that opt out, Olave and Garrett Wilson, some guys, and they just replace them with a guy like Jackson Smith and Jigba. And I know he played or whatever all year, but the the fact that Jackson Smith and Jigba could have 347 yards and three touchdowns after not being the number one receiver, that's just yeah. And that's dropping a that's fumbling going oh, yeah. into the end zone yeah. on like a 40 yeah. yard touchdown. Very well too. could have had four four touchdowns. And then C.J. Stroud, I mean, they still had him and. He's what makes their offense so great. He was 37 for 46 with 573 yards and six touchdowns. Talk about efficient, only nine incompletions in 46 passing attempts. This offense was just going to be too much at the end of the day, whether Rising got hurt or not. Yeah, I agree. And I think, I don't remember correctly, but the uh, the Utah quarterback, I think he got injured pretty late in that game. Yeah. The backup only came in and threw like two or three more passes and, granted, drove them down the field. So I think – whether Rising's in or not, I don't think it's going to cause too much of an impact to them. I do want to highlight, though, that, yes, there were a ton of opt-outs for Ohio State, but Utah had a couple as well, which resulted in a running back being played in the corner position and was lined up against Njigba multiple times, not taking anything away from him, but, you know, <laughs> as good as Jameer Gibbs is in, at running back, if you lined him up at corner, I don't think even a guy like that could do much against a guy like Njigba. Yeah, I don't think you want your first start uh, <laughs> as a non-defensive player to be going up against that offense. So, no. not uh, not ideal for them. But question: Who feels better today, Ohio State fans or Michigan fans? Today, I would say probably Ohio State fans, and I think that's a culmination of just you know ending on a positive note and knowing what you have coming back. I know there's some stars coming back in this Michigan team, but I think there's two or three seniors on that O line. I just feel like. Ohio State ends on a positive note and knows that they're probably 
in a little bit better position going forward. Now, that's just my opinion. And, and they'll get Michigan at home next year, and Michigan just got embarrassed. And you know, it, I, mean, I know there was a playoff game, and Ohio State was in the playoff, but ending your season with a win is so much better than ending it in a dominating loss. Or well, I guess that would be the opposite of dominant, humiliating loss uh, <laughs> in a playoff game. So I mean, Michigan will be fine next year. I, I I bet they probably end up going like nine and three or something though, and Ohio State will probably reclaim the Big Ten crown and probably make a playoff. All right, so Peach Bowl. Other than a horrific bad beat uh, with that pick six, if you if you happen to have uh, Pittsburgh in that game, um, another really entertaining one. A lot more low scoring, I think, than than people thought. Uh, I don't know what the over under was, but it definitely had to hit. I mean, Michigan State going into it had the worst pass defense in FBS, and you're going up against. Granted, no picket for Pittsburgh, but an offense that you got to think can still score on most people. But ended up being a relatively low scoring game. Um, but a weird matchup in Atlanta, Michigan State, Pitt, like probably d- despite the late game theatrics, probably the most forgettable of the New York Six games for me. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Go ahead, Lay. Go ahead. I agree. This one, it probably was the worst of all these, other than the fact I think didn't uh, Michigan State score like twenty-one fourth quarter points or something yeah. like that. So yeah. I guess late surge by them. But definitely probably the least memorable of all these games. And with the two big stars opting out, obviously Pickett for Pittsburgh and then uh, the running back for Michigan State, it's just one that I didn't even feel obligated to keep too much of an eye on. Yes, I agree with you, Lay. I mean, people people tune into bowl games to see the best of the best in college football. And when you have two stars like Kenny Pickett and Kenneth Walker Jr. sit out, you know, it's it's a big loss for the bowl game and for those programs not having those guys on the field and getting some exposure for their, their teams. And... I don't know. I mean, Michigan State, they did surge late at the end, but Pitt kind of had control of the game for most of it and then just kind of let it slip. I mean, that's what happens when you got your third-string quarterback playing because the second string ended up getting hurt. But oh, And you noted it, Nathan, but that pick six actually won me some money, so I was on the right side of that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Always. Uh, those are always more rare than being on the wrong side of them, that's for sure. <laughs> um, but... The uh, one I want to talk about to the Fiesta Bowl. So that was speaking of being on the right side. I think I was the only one in our bowl pick'em group to have Gundy Gang and the Oklahoma State Cowboys, who looked dead to rights in that first half. Uh, but something I was about to say the mullet got him right, but he doesn't. Gundy doesn't he even doesn't have even, a mullet yeah. anymore. Really, he kind of <laughs> he kind of grew up on us, even though he was a grown man in forty yeah. about 10 years ago. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that they that they sh- they would have shut out Notre Dame in the second half if not for kind of that late touchdown, yeah. um, which again Notre Dame needed to try to kick an onside kick and get it and were unable to ultimately. But Oklahoma State did their fucking best to try to lose that game though with a fumble in the red zone when when any points would have put the game away. Um, but they end up holding on holding on to win. So uh, that things are tied at the top of our of our bowl picks as we'll as we'll get to in a second with just two games to go. Um, and lastly, the Sugar Bowl, you know, this was a really boring game, a whole lot more low scoring than people thought. But at the same time, a huge storyline comes out of this for me, and that's, you know, Matt Corral was basically the only projected, you know, big NFL talent. Um, well, I guess, you know, Hutchinson too, but offensive anyway, especially quarterbacks, to, to play. Like, people were supply, surprised that he did play. Everybody congratulated him. Um, it was basically universally, you know, approved and and he got a lot of support for the fact that he was playing in this game in an era where you see so many stars opt out and what happens he he you know hurts his ankle and now that you know his next few months as he gets ready for the NFL draft are, are a lot more unclear with that injury so 
you know, leading into this weekend, Kirk Herbstreet and Desmond Howard making headlines on college game day by by basically just ripping into a lot of these guys who have chosen to opt out, talking about this generation of players are entitled. They don't play for the for the team anymore. It's all about me. And and there's I'm not gonna say there's not any truth to, to some of what they're getting at, but I said, you know, when we were just talking about this, you know, sitting on the couch watching some of these games, I, I, I hate that opt-outs exist, you know, like the games would be better. Like if Pickett and Walker are in that game, uh, in that Peach Bowl, that would have been a much more enjoyable experience, I think, for everybody. But ever since Jake Butt blew out his knee in his last ever collegiate game when, you know, he just as easily could have sat out and been a first, second-round NFL pick, I personally can never sit on my ass not playing college football and tell an athlete like, hey – you need to play this last meaningless game so that I can get some entertainment value rather than protect your own money. Like, like Marshawn Lynch said, take care of that. Take care of your chicken, man. Like you gotta do it, do what you gotta do. I'm, I'm, I'm with it. But we see another example of that with Matt Corral going down. Now, hopefully it doesn't look like it'll be that big of an issue in terms of where he goes. Cause as quarterbacks, like, I don't even know if he will miss the combine, but if he does, like, basically the film is all the, the teams are really going off of, that in the interviews when it comes to quarterbacks. So hopefully it won't hurt his stock too much. But where do you guys stand on, on you know, what these players should be doing? Are they entitled? Is, is that what it is? Or, or just kind of kind of where, where do you all shake out on that? Start with you, Lay. Yeah, I, I personally don't like it because in my mind it seems kind of like you're giving up on your team but I'm you know the stigma's gone you know a few years ago when guys were doing this you got a lot more hate from the analysts and a lot more hate even some like scouts talking about "Ah, I don't know how I feel about this either but it's kind of that point if you opt out it's not going to hurt you but I think if you opt in and play nowadays it could help you like a guy like Corral I mean especially for a guy in the quarterback position this game really doesn't mean much in terms of his future but he's going to play in it and it's because he wants to be there for those guys. I think when you're evaluating guys from a leadership standpoint and whether they're capable of being a team player in the NFL, I think it can do you a lot of good to play in this game. So that's just my view. I don't like it just from the fan standpoint, but I understand in terms of securing a future. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these guys come from – I can't speak to Corral's home life and background, but a lot of these guys – are using football as a way to take care of their families. So you can't re- – I, I find it difficult to try to, like, rag on a guy for opting out because, like, look, at the end of the day, he's just trying to support his family and his future is playing football, and he's not going to get paid enough to do that just playing some bowl game. You know, he's got to have the NFL checked. So I understand. It does suck because, you know, as I, I alluded to it a minute ago, you want to see these star players play because that's what makes college football so special, having these really talented guys playing for a school that they committed to, that they don't have any financial – um they don't have incentives to play for. So I don't know. It sucks, but I get the opt-outs, and I I'm a, I support it. Yeah, and it, and it makes these bowl games just hard as hell to, to pick yeah. and to pay attention to because you don't know who's playing. You know, when you make the picks, if, if you're like me, and, in, in, you know, basically as soon as the regular season's over, you jump on there excited to, to look at the lines and make some picks. It's almost really dangerous to do that because you just have no idea who's going to be playing. But if you're like me and anticipate Kayvon Thibodeau opting out and jump all over Oklahoma, that was nice. But uh, going off the picks, though, so we are all obviously in a bowl pick em. Um, No money on the line in this, uh, but just, just sheer pride. Uh, and and to our credit, all of us on this podcast are one, two, and three in the group where we've got some other friends that are in it that are that are well off the pace. So so quick pat on the back for us here. But we the job ain't done yet. Who said the job's finished? Just like Kirby. So, Lath currently sitting in first. 
I'm one game back of him. Ferg, two games behind Lath. Again, only two games left to play. We've got LSU and Kansas State tonight. And then, obviously, the national championship and pending tiebreaker, you know, with, with the points predictor. So, first and foremost, I, want, I want to really want to break this down. Obviously, the best I can do is beat you, Lath, by one. The best Ferg can do is tie. So, there could be some gerrymandering from you, Lath, if you really wanted to be <laughs> lame and be like the Colts, or no, excuse me, be like the Jaguars, uh, who, if they beat the Colts, you know, God, I'm really butchering this segment. But I wanna, I'm really excited about this NFL thing we'll talk about here in a minute, where there's a playoff scenario that both teams could get in with a tie. So, I think we might just see them take a knee. <laughs> Lath, you could do that equivalent and just try to match at least my picks anyway, so that way you can't lose. But I think you're a bit more of a... Of a uh, of a competitor than that, but so with that, Leith, who do you have tonight? So that Ferg, because Ferg, you've got to you've got to fade him to have any shot. So I want I want to set this up to have a to have a real run at this. So who you got tonight, Leith? Yeah, like Kirby, I, I don't want my Gatorade bath tonight, mostly because I don't want to pull a 2017 Ed Orgeron and be walking away sticky and with a loss. But I, tonight I've got um, see LSU and Kansas State. I got Kansas State. I'll leave that locked in. And I like them because there's a lot of opt-outs on this LSU team. I don't think they even have a starting or a quarter scholarship quarterback on roster playing. So that's what I'm sticking with. Well, I actually have Kansas State also. But <laughs> I don't, I don't want to fade. I always fade the SEC in bull mania. Like I, it goes against like what I stand for if if I pick LSU, especially with all the opt-outs. And also an interesting note. I don't know if we'll get to it later, but. I like to bring it up. Um, all these coaching vacancies that have been filled, like at the big-time programs like Notre Dame, um, Oregon, Florida, Virginia Tech, all those teams have lost their bowl games. I know Oklahoma won, but, I mean, they played Oregon, so one of them had to win. So I, I'd like to see that trend continue with an LSU L tonight, and it also means another L for the SEC. So I don't know. I mean, I may switch, though, just <laughs> just for the sake of it, but just I mean, just know I want Kansas State to win. You've – Okay, okay, you can make that known, but you've got to, you have to pick LSU. You can't just lay down and not try to All win. Right. Like if if it. All right, lay, yeah, yeah. Because you know, yeah. there's no there's no benefit to finishing second or third. It's it's if you're not first, you're last. So, got um, it, got to go for it. And I would be in a similar situation, except I can still beat Lath on the tiebreaker, and I really do think Kansas State is going to win. So I'm going to keep that in the hopes that Lath is going to pick Alabama. In the uh, national championship, is that is that how we're leaning that's, in life? That's how it's currently set up. I, I don't want to. I guess I will keep. I'll keep it. I'll keep it because I want to be a man about it and keep where I had my picks. I am a little bit concerned about it at this point, oh. but I'll keep it. Don't let Nathan sneak back around and take the tie while you flip to Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll never do that. I'll lose. I'll lose the ball pickings before I do that. So it'll all hopefully, hopefully uh, Kansas State takes care of business and it all comes down to that national championship for who's going to win the win the bowl pick them but because remember late's got a lot riding on this i kept the receipts i have the time stamps for for late's proclamation that he's going to quote unquote run bowl season and while he may win i said you said late you you ask us for an official apology and i told you you're not going to get it unless you win by enough of a margin to make up the massive l's that you were taking during the regular season which is not going to happen because at most you're going to beat me by one game so uh hey, I, you were trailing by like six going all, back, all so i'm asking that, for is that. the dub so if i come out with the win it's going to mean the same to me regardless of whether it's a one game or three game or however so <laughs> yeah 
Ultimately, hey, you just got to be over 500. That's the that's the same same rules for betting. Real quick, Fargo, I'm going to let you get your stupid fucking portal update here at the last <laughs> second before we go to take a break and go to the NFL. But want to talk some some line action, some uh, how the bets went for me this weekend. I was having a rough bowl season going into this, despite my Oklahoma lock. Uh, but people really clowning the SEC, trying to kick us while we're down with a, with a tough start to the bowl season. But the SEC rebound called it. Big for me, Arkansas, Woo Pig, easy dub against Penn State. And then Kentucky making me sweat way more than they should have against a bad Iowa team, but ultimately they get it done too. And then, of course, Georgia. Again, that's my general rule is to never bet on or against Georgia because I just want to be happy if we win, sad if we lose. But it was just it just looked too good that Georgia go in there and do it to them, which they did. So uh got back to a, to a nice even. And uh, I think – I think that's how I'm going to let it stand for the college football season. Um, definitely not jinxing any sort of sort of bets with the national championship. Um, God knows I'm putting enough money into it as it is. No reason to put any more. So, uh, yeah, just wanted to provide a quick up, update on that. And then, Ferg, I know you had, quote-unquote, opted out of the college football betting scene or the football betting scene after the playoffs. Said, oh, I'm done for the year. Well, that lasted about 10 minutes. Uh, so so how did your NFL stuff go this yeah, week? Yeah, so after uh, the college stuff ended, I was even, and I was like, all right, I'm done. But, you know, 36 hours, a lot of time to think about that decision. And I decided I'll back in because Dak Prescott and Aaron Rodgers' um, props, are the overs are completely undefeated. I, I stay hitting the completion overs and the touchdown and pass overs. It's free money, so I had to sprinkle some on there, and I won about 20 bucks on them this weekend. Well, didn't you also have Tom Brady touchdown overs when they got shut out by the Saints? Yes, but, but, but Dak and Aaron Rodgers are goaded. Tom Brady, <laughs> he's dead to me. Yeah, he can. you can bury him right next to the Bears. Uh, I know that's like the second time I think I've said that on this podcast, but they too yeah. um, are dead to me. All right, before we take a quick break, the following the recruiting drama, the saga, the transfer saga, you will, uh, of Ferg finding his next college football team. Wore a fucking Michigan shirt two days in a row that had to smell like <laughs> shit while we were hanging out over the uh, over the break because he was trying to rub as much Michigan as he could in my face. So we saw how all that worked out. I thought you had an Alabama shirt, but you're, you're acting like your Braves <laughs> logo shirt is worn here right now. Um which, which is going to piss a lot of people off if they can see that. But I'm surprised you don't have the Bama shirt on well, right now. Well, it's in my closet. I won't get up and get it. But this A, very similar to the Alabama A, and it's also the Braves A. And, hey, one of these teams is going to be my team. So the if the Georgia beats Alabama, the it's Braves only from here on out. No college football for me. But then this A will also be the Alabama A if Alabama can win. So it's Bama or Braves. That's it. That's where I'm at, and that's my final decision. All right. Well, with that, take a quick break. Come back with NFL. Antonio Brown, what the fuck, man? (laughs) 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 Oh. No, you miss it when when Lay and I like at the beginning of the year we used to have like a little mini segment that lasted like a couple of weeks of just like Clemson. What the fuck are you doing? Basically, uh, they were just playing like shit oh, and got exposed for actually. So, oh, right. that, that was like funny. Ready to come back? My computer's slick, like not super close to dying, but we're gonna need to try to keep this a little bit shorter than that college one was, just to move things forward.
Yeah. All right, we back. You know who's not coming back after that? When, when did he take an Uber from from New York all the way down to Tampa or fly? I don't know. I saw a lot of videos on Twitter of of him just wilding. But Antonio Brown. That's there's nowhere else we can start. I know it was a big playoff position weekend, and we got more of that coming up that we're going to talk about. But there's no. I mean, when a dude strips on the field mid play, that's kind of that's kind of where you have to start. So. Start with you, Ferg. I don't even know where to start. Go. Just just say something about it because I'm kind of at a loss Look, for words at here. this point, we got to get this boy some help. This man is straight up crazy. He's got CTE, concussion, whatever it is. He's got something wrong upstairs, and we got to get this man admitted to some sort of mental hospital and get him checked the hell out. This guy's never going to play in the NFL again. I mean – Surely not, right? I mean, but I mean, NFL will do anything to make money, and he will make some money for your franchise. But I don't see any way this guy plays the NFL again. He's crazy. He was crazy for every team he's been on: the Steelers, the Raiders, and then now the Buccaneers. He might have been on the Patriots. Patriots yeah, for a yeah. second. But too, yeah. Belichick don't play around with that shit. I think he got cut after one game. But yeah, <laughs> get this man some help. That's all I can say, really. Hey, he's got that CTE from wearing that illegal helmet that he was wearing for like three years or whatever. But you're right, dude. I'm, I'm tired of all the second chances for these guys. The, the egos are just out the roof. This dude's been a problem. Thug. So He's been a problem for so long. And anybody could look at that. If you did this in any normal job, you start acting a fool like this man's been, you'd be out of the office. So, you know, football is a forgiving sport. But I think this is this is just crosses the line. I think his excuse was like, uh, oh, I was too hurt to go into the game. No, no, you're too hurt, so you just start tossing all of your clothes just into the stands and stomp off while Mike Williams is trying to calm you down. No, no, I'm sorry. That's not the case. Uh, Mike Mike, Mike Evans, yeah. Mike Evans. That's okay. Um, For somebody who finished pretty high in our fantasy league, I would have thought you'd know more about it. For somebody who finished as low as you did, I'm surprised you knew at all. (laughs) Nicely. I don't know. Maybe some of that CTE is getting to you. But not exactly a laughing matter. I mean, dude is losing his his marbles for sure. Um, I mean, as crazy as that was, like, that's not even the craziest thing he's done. Like, didn't he, like, like, send his ex-wife or ex-girlfriend like a literal bag of like dicks or something like that I, somebody was like talking to me i like like dildos or something i don't know I, look that up on your own time if you're interested but uh but from a footballing standpoint i mean this bucks team has lost a lot to injuries here in the last few weeks as they are getting ready to make a, a playoff push i mean chris godwin a super impactful player on that offense who's who's been one of the best receivers on that team even with mike evans um, and now they lose Antonio Brown too. How much does this hurt the Bucks' playoff hopes, if if at all? In you guys' opinion, I think they'll make the playoffs, but it definitely hurts to not have as explosive of weapons as they usually are used to with Fournette and Godwin out, and and now Antonio Brown. Um, I, I they're going to be fine. They'll probably win a playoff game, but I don't see them repeating or even getting to an NFC Championship this year without the talent that they are used to having. Because Godwin, yeah, like you said, he's. He's Brady. He's been Brady's favorite target this year. I mean, from a sheer number standpoint, he's been Brady's guy. And not having him really hurts. And you can't really replicate what Leonard Fournette's done on the ground for him. Ronald Jones and this Vaughn guy aren't the same level as Leonard Fournette. So I think they're not going to be repeating this year. Yeah, I agree. I mean, even before all these injuries, it's tough. It's tough enough to repeat in the NFL just in general. Uh, and you know, if they didn't have these injuries, I don't think that like if they had all these guys and Antonio Brown was hurt. 
I don't think it would make much of a difference because I don't think he's had that great of a year anyway. But the culmination of injury after injury, you're right. I don't see them getting much, very far in the playoffs if they get past the first round. Yeah, Bucks all season have been a team that I've kept a lot of faith in, but them and the Rams, I guess I'm all in with the Rams now. Um, but Ferg, you've made it clear here on our pod doc where you stand, and at this point it's kind of hard to disagree. The only team to have locked up the, the first round by, of course there's only one per conference now, but the, in the AFC it's still up for guys, but Green Bay, um, they've got it at 13-3 and three regardless of what happens next week. Although Aaron Rodgers has come out and said he's going to play, which is really dumb, I feel like, if he actually does that, but... That aside, you have written Green Bay will win the Super Bowl. I get the fact that that buy and the home field advantage going into Lambeau when it's cold is not going to be easy for anybody. But Leif, I'll ask you, because we know how, where Ferg stands on this, which of these potential you know challengers in the NFC, if you had to have Green Bay going down before the conference title game, Again, that game would be at home as well. Well, I'll take that back. If that's going to be at home, for some reason I thought that was going to be neutral site in my head. Who has the best chance, in short, to go into Lambeau and take it away from the Packers, do you think? Oof, of the NFC? Uh, I think if I, if, I, if I had to say a team, I would go with the Cowboys. Just because I'm not, I don't think Cowboys are that good. And I actually agree with Ferg. I think the Packers are going to win it. But I feel like just from a balance standpoint, if you look at defense and offense, the Cowboys have been playing the best of any other teams that could put up a fight in that game. So I would have to say the Cowboys. Yeah, Green Bay, again, looking strong. Aaron Rodgers well on his way to a second straight MVP, right? Yep. Won it last yep. year, yep. too. So uh, they're going to be a tough team to beat. I think the Rams will give them all they can, they can ask for. And I still, you know... I'm almost 50-50 on whether the Rams can beat them or not. Probably leaning a bit more towards Packers just because Lambeau is going to be so mm-hmm. tough. But the you know the chance for the Rams to play a Super Bowl at home, I mean that's that's an enticing you know I mean you always want to make it to a Super Bowl obviously, but a chance to to, to get that you would think would be we be a really motivating factor for them. On the other side in the AFC, that's where the playoff picture is actually a whole lot more interesting. Um, you know I think there's still a couple of spots up for grabs, whereas the NFC just has the one. I think only the Saints and Niners are eligible for that last spot um, in the NFC, but the AFC has a few wild scenarios that could happen. But Lath. Uh, actually, Ferg, I'm going to let you do this. You're trying to give Late some credit here on the pod doc, and I just <laughs> refuse to do that out of principle. So if you want to give some props to the Bills right now, go All ahead. right, Lay, I, I do owe you a, a slight apology. The Bills have proven that they're worthy of that playoff spot that we've been telling you wasn't going to happen all the last few weeks. So hats off to you for getting some dubs and also benefiting from the Pats losing a game to that Colts. So really uh, go Bills, I guess. I appreciate it. I appreciate one of you coming and being a man and admitting that. It means a lot. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So they, I mean, but they still haven't won the division, though. I immediately able to re- revoke that apology if the Pats still in the division. So, because uh, there's no reason the Bills should not have won the division going into this year with a rookie quarterback in Foxborough. So, anyway, before we get out of here, we're going to make some picks, including our national championship predictions. Um, and a couple in the NFL that have big playoff scenarios. But I, I have to talk about this because I saw it in Adam Schefter's. He tweeted out this big playoff scenario for every team that's still alive. And I have one thing and one thing only that I'm rooting for in the NFL this week. There's no fantasy that matters anymore. All the leagues are done. Not betting on any of these games. There's only one thing that I'm keeping my eye on. And that's Jags-Colts and then Raiders-Chargers. I think first one's on Saturday, second one's on Sunday night. And that's because... If the Jags can somehow pull off the season-ending upset over the Colts, 
the Chargers and the Raiders would both get into the playoffs with a tie. And again, they're playing each other. I am rooting for we get to Sunday Night Football, Al Michaels' whole theme song gets in there, and it's just 60 minutes of both teams taking a knee because that would be fucking hysterical for them to go for a tie. So, odds of that happening, probably not great. Colts a much better team than the Jags, but I think the Colts have struggled really uh, mightily against Jacksonville in Jacksonville over the past few seasons. So, you know, it's the NFL, any given Sunday, all that. I'll say to you, though, you guys – is that bad for the NFL if that scenario happens? Because, like, Laith, as Laith will know, in, in major soccer leagues across the across the world, they play the final games. All the games start at the same time to avoid any sort of manipulation of the point system or, or, or trying to get a certain result. Um, to, you know, they want both teams to try as hard as they can to win. In the NFL, this is purely about TV ratings. They're not going to have every team start at the same time, so they're not doing it today good or bad or I guess are you rooting for it or not I think we can all agree it's probably bad if they both go for a tie but would, would is that something you'd like to see are you are you in on it as much as I am personally <laughs> I think also if you go back to the question of whether it's good or bad if your target audience is the old heads of the game then it's definitely bad but I think there are a lot of guys that want to just like if I knew going to the game that that was going to be the case I would be inclined to tune in and see is this really going to go down like this so I think as the game is modernized, even though that's probably not what you want, I would say that it's probably good, especially as you mentioned the TV ratings. It'd be interesting. I'd definitely watch. Yeah, I agree with you, Lay. I think that'd be pretty intriguing. But I don't have much else to say. I don't know if you guys heard my dad knocked on my door a bunch. So. <laughs> Uh-oh. Are you getting yeah. pressed? <laughs> say what? Is he getting pressed? No, I just had my door locked, but I couldn't hear him knocking, so he's banging on the door. So I didn't hear a whole lot of the spiel, so I don't have any more comments. <laughs> I, I don't want to. Yeah, so we got home. we got we got one ho- one third of the podcast doing it from Grandpa's attic. The other one is Dad raging at him because he's <laughs> making too much noise with his friends. And then then you got me, the old man who actually lives, uh, you know, not under his family's roof. So uh, yeah, the more you know. But with that said, quickly, going to make some NFL picks here. I've arranged these, not necessarily by the best matchups, but in terms of the ones that have the most playoff implications because a lot of them just don't. So starting with Steelers at Ravens, Big Ben in his swan song um, in Pittsburgh was able to get a win in his final home game last night, which I personally didn't see coming. Thanks a lot, Baker Mayfield. You suck. Um, Although I had somebody tell me today that I kind of look like Baker Mayfield. I'm not sure how I feel about that. But uh, I think it's just a kind of shitty black beard that doesn't really grow in fully enough. But anyway, Steelers traveling to Baltimore. Ravens minus six. Ravens need a win and a lot to go right ahead of them to get in the playoffs. Steelers, same thing, need a win, but need slightly less help uh, for them. But hard to bet against the good Harbaugh brother at home uh, needing a win to get into the playoffs. I like Ravens 24-20. Yeah, uh, this one's going to be tough, but I feel like this is the send-off for Big Ben. Mike Tomlin, I don't think he's had a losing season in, like, what, 15 years? So I got Steelers winning this one 28-24. I feel like Big Ben's had his last hurrah as a Steeler. Their season ends on Sunday with a 21-17 loss to Baltimore. Next up, Chargers at Raiders. Again, could be looking at a nil-niller here. Um, I certainly hope so. But assuming that both teams are going for the win, Raiders plus two and a half at home. I just haven't – like the Raiders' inconsistency has killed them all year. 
a team like that just can't. I don't. I don't see this this season ending on a on a high note for them making the playoffs. I think the Chargers go in there and take care of business, twenty nine twenty five. Yeah, Raiders have been dealt just blow after blow this year, and I think it culminates with a pretty bad loss uh, at the end of the year. So I'm going Chargers twenty seven seventeen. Yeah, I got Chargers thirty four twenty. At the end of the day, it's going to be too much offense from L A. I like the Chargers to win the game. Big cover there, Fer. You gonna put your money where your nope. mouth is? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Opt out so. for and then <laughs> and then lastly, Niners at Rams. Rams four point favorites at home. Again, I think the Rams are a much better team in this game, but they have nothing to play for. They can't secure a bye. All they can do is win the division. That you know that might change who they would potentially play in the first round. But the 49ers win and they are in. They're going to be the much more motivated team. I think they go in and win a close one, 27-26. Yeah, 49ers the one that needs this one. And Kyle Shanahan, I believe, is actually like 5 or 6-0 and against Sean McVay. So I'm going Niners 32-27. Yeah, I like the Rams to cover and win at home and maybe win the division. All right. Fair enough. Before we get out, quickly, to send us off into the sunset, I'll obviously be making the last pick, Lathe. National championship. Who wins? Ooh, you want to score or just a just a name? Just gut. What you got? Ah, I'm sticking Bama. Bama. Ba- Berg, Bama all day. <laughs> if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And you all know, you all know where I stand. <laughs> How about them fucking dogs? Dogs.